The Lord, this is Brother Julius Adewumi, and I'm going to go through a series of teaching today, which is we are going through the Acts of the Apostles. This is teaching, so we're going to go read it slowly, like I did for Gospel of John, Gospel of Mark. We're going to read the Acts of the Apostles chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and that's going to be a series. And I believe the Lord will give insights and more revelation to you believers. So that we can point out some good things in the Bible and some of sometimes how to exercise our faith, or how the believer, how the apostles exercise faith in some of these stories that we are going to read in the Gospel of or in the Acts of the Apostles. Now I pray that the Lord will give us insight and understanding in Jesus' name. Now this is uh, the church starting. This is how the church started after the Lord Jesus Christ resurrected and commissioned the believers, the apostles, and some of the other disciples that the Lord Jesus Christ already converted, many of them scattered, we remember, after the, when the resurrection took place, I mean, when the crucifixion took place. But after the crucifixion and they heard that the resurrection has taken place, the Lord definitely was showing himself to not only the apostles, some of the other disciples, to bring them together. The Lord was doing that for that 40 days, they were in 40 days was going in and out with them to bring them together so that they can wait for the baptism of the Holy Spirit because that was the beginning of the church and that was the plan of the Lord Jesus Christ and this is what we are going to see that when the Lord started preaching or started manifesting to the apostles he was actually gathering the other disciples that he wanted to be there because according to this Actually, Apostles chapter 2, when they, when they were gathered in chapter 1, we see that how many people were actually gathered in that, uh, in that uh, upper room. We see about 120. So you see, not just the 12 Apostles, 120. So all these 120 people, the Lord was gathering them after his resurrection, showing himself to them that he has, he has resurrected. He wanted them to be in Jerusalem. And that was uh, actually mostly people from Galilee, the Galileans. I mean, Galilee is very far away from Jerusalem. So they always go there when they receive feast. But he wanted them to start from Jerusalem. The, uh, the Holy Ghost is going to down pour in Jerusalem. So he was showing himself to those disciples that he has already converted all the still enough years, not all of them, but the key ones that he wanted them to call us will be filled with Holy Ghost later. But the key ones that he wanted them to be there, almost like predestination, God was manifesting to them that he has resurrected and instructing them to be at Jerusalem with the apostles. So that is really what we believe was happening for those 40 days according to the apostles. Let's start from Acts of the Apostles chapter 1 and I just pray that all this noise will be quiet in the recording. In Jesus' name I pray. Acts, the Acts of the Apostles chapter 1 from verse 1. The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. Now, right up front, this chapter 1 of the Acts of the Apostles 
Shotros, verse 1, Shotros, who actually wrote this gospel of uh, these stories in the actual apostle, it indicated it was, uh, it was Luke, the same Luke that wrote the gospel of Luke, that wrote the actual apostle. When you go to Luke chapter 1, he addressed the gospel that he wrote to one man called Theophilus, which we believe must be one of those uh, rulers in that the Gentile world, or maybe a, a great uh, a governor or something like that, or a deputy, look like a, somebody that is important that could keep records for the library, something like that. So we look at it in the, in the Gospel of John, Gospel of Luke. From verse 1 of Gospel of Luke, we see the same addressing of this letter to Theophilus. This is verse 1 of Gospel of Luke. He said, For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us, even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the world. So you can see Apostle uh, Luke that wrote this letter of Gospel of Luke, who also wrote the Acts of the Apostles, was not the, at the beginning, since it was delivered unto them. It was, it was following Apostle Paul in all the preaching about, so which means he joined. It's good to me also, because after he had noticed that many of the other people were writing down stories of our Lord Jesus Christ, he must have had Matthew. So he said he also wanted to pen his own experience and his own knowledge of what he has had, because when the apostles started, they were teaching all the teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ, all the stories and all the testimonies and all the miracles that were happening. And the new believers that are joining them were hearing these things and keeping them in their mind, in their heart. Many years later, Luke was trying to recollect all of those things that were taught them also, and that was what he was putting down in the Gospel of Luke. And he was writing this to somebody that was keeping record, mostly a governor or somebody that is important in the Gentile world, in that city where he was writing them to. And that is what he was writing in Gospel of Luke, chapter, chapter 1, verse 3. It seemed good to me also having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first to write on the other most excellent Theophilus. Now you see he was addressing his uh, gospel to most excellent Theophilus. So we believe that that man Theophilus must be either a, a judge, a magistrate, or even a governor in the Gentile world who has said that yeah, he, he maybe has, he has believed the gospel, he, he has become a believer, and he just that puts upon his, this man Theophilus that keep record of all these things so that we can pass to our children. So he started asking the disciples that were around him that why okay, any of you can remember all these stories, can't you write them down so that we can have a book, a record of it. So that was when perhaps they all started writing the stories of the Lord Jesus Christ. Gospel of Matthew, Gospel of Mark. Mark was a younger person, so he was able to write all the stories that he remembered that were told him or during the preaching about that the apostles were preaching. And Luke also said, well, I will write mine also because I remember many of those stories that, and the beginning of it, and so on. So, so that was why Luke penned the Gospel of Luke. And he said to, to most excellent Theophilus, said, that thou mayest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. So you know that this excellent Theophilus was converted. And he happened to be a governor, a magistrate, or a ruler that has a, a way of keeping the records. So he must have told them that, hey, if you write this down, we keep it in the library. 
So then they, everybody begin to write what they know, Matthew, Mark, and then Luke. I also will write some of those things that I, we were taught as, as they deliver them to us. So you see that Luke was the one that wrote about the birth of John the Baptist because he must have had the story being reported during the time of the teaching that the apostles were teaching, or maybe he was there when perhaps Mary, Mag, Mary, the mother of Jesus, was still alive, was telling how she how she had this and that. So Luke started penning that stories down. Right from the beginning, he said, right from the beginning. So I'm not going through the look, I'm not going through the gospel of Luke now. I'm going through the Acts of the Apostles. I'm just trying to link the two together to make you to see that the writer of Gospel of Luke, which is Luke himself, was the one that wrote Acts of the Apostles. By this introduction in chapter one of Acts of the Apostles, verse one, where he said, the former tractors, which means the first thing he wrote was this gospel of Luke, have I made, O Theophilus. Which Moses was writing to Theophilus of all that Jesus began both to do until so he was referring to that gospel of Luke that he wrote. And he said it was to Theophilus. So we know that if Theophilus was in both Acts of the Apostles and also in Luke, we know it was Luke that was writing this Acts of the Apostles. Okay, let's go on and continue with the Acts of the Apostles. And then he said, The former tritest have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up after that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Now, verse 3 said, it was, it was the, this, act of, this, this act of the apostles that Luke wrote that make us to know that the Lord Jesus Christ was, was in and out with the disciples for 40 days. It was reported right there that it was, it's after his passion, after his passion, after his rest, after his crucifixion. The crucifixion is classified as passion. What do you mean by passion? I mean, it's, it's a passion is something that you say, you are passionate about this thing. But we can also say it's a, it's a form of a, a passion for the logical because we're saying, oh, I wish this thing will be accomplished quickly. So they call it after his passion. He was crucified and he came back alive. So that was the passion. Then he said after his passion, he was going in and out with them for 40 days. He said, he was speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So now we know that the Lord was continuing to teach them some more things. For example, it was in the Gospel of Luke that he reported that when two disciples after the resurrection were going from Jerusalem to a village called Emmaus, they were talking about this resurrection, that the women went there, they didn't find the body, and Jesus Christ was walking with them and, and shied them. And then when Jesus Christ disappeared from, their, from, the, from the midst of them, when they were about to eat, he knew that it was the Lord Jesus Christ. So that was, and the Lord was telling them about the kingdom of God and how he was showing to them from the letters of the prophets, from the books of, the, of Moses and books of the prophets and Psalms, what was written about himself. And that opened their understanding to know exactly that Christ had to suffer and died for us on the cross. And then when they were about to eat, he broke the bread and they saw him that it was Jesus that was Working with them all these hours and they, they vanished from their front. Then, when they were all talking about it, 
he came again and manifest to them when the two disciples came to join the apostles, telling them that we have seen the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what happened. He just showed himself in their midst. You see that also in the story of Luke, in the Gospel of Luke. Now, that was how Luke was saying he summarized that Gospel of Luke. Now, he's not writing what happened after that. The Acts sort of, act of the Apostles. Verse 4. So, I've said all of those things more like introduction. Now, let's go to Acts of the Apostles and go slowly. And I believe that the Lord will help me to be able to communicate this clearer for all you that are listening. In verse 4. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith ye, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Now that was in red letter, I showed that that was what the Lord Jesus Christ told them in the last day before he left. He said they should stay in Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. He was telling the disciples or the apostles that they should not depart from Jerusalem but wait for the promise of the Father which ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized, John the Baptist, truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days since. So the Lord was telling the apostles to wait in Jerusalem and the promise of the Father will come upon them and ye, they shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. So not many days, are not in a few, few days to come. Now by this time, it's for 40 days after he resurrected and we believe the Holy Ghost came around 50 days after he resurrected, which means some 10 days after this, after this uh, talk was when the Holy Ghost came down upon them. Verse 6 now. Now these apostles are going to ask questions because they were still learning. They still have their mind on this Israel, Israel, Israel of God, and how God was going to restore Israel back to, to glory. So they are asking. They are going to ask Jesus Christ in verse six. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, "Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel?" Now that was a question that has been in their heart. Because of the way they were taught, these are Jews, Israelites. And they knew the stories of how King David was ruling the whole region until other kings after their King David waited, went away from God and God scattered them and, told, and drove them out of the land. And they went to Babylon for 70 years. And since they came back from Babylon, they really didn't have any king. Those rulers that came back from Babylon and started rebuilding the temple and rebuilding the, the city of Jerusalem, they are the, the, the Jews that came like Nehemiah or Ezra and Zerubbabel and so on. And that generation, they didn't make anybody king. But they are somebody that is, they have the, the priesthood continuing because they remember who was the, who are the children of Aaron. So they, when they made the temple and they restored the temple in that generation that came back from Babylon. That was the days after Daniel. They made they, they have the line of the priesthood, so they were at least maintained the priesthood, but there was no king. You say, well, don't they know this line of David? Yeah, but nobody would dare to open up and say they want to be king. So they just have leaders. Because I think uh, 
after Zerubbabel was perhaps from the line of, uh, of David or something like that. But then they don't, never want to become king, they're just like uh, leaders. So all through the time until somebody like uh, Aaron tried to make himself a king over them, and they knew that he was not from the line of David, so that was why they didn't accept Aaron. We're talking of almost 400 years now later. So they never really had a king in Judea. But the priest line continued, and then around this, before Christ was born, then this, uh, this Herod became politically minded and he made himself king and was able to. So, um, of course, by that time, the wars from different countries were ruling that part of the world, Syria. Syria was, uh, was a great uh, nation then. Then came the Roman Empire. So, the wars that came around that area kept this, that particular part of the world to be subjugated under, under, under foreign governments. By the time Christ was born, it was the Roman Empire that was ruling all those regions. So the Roman Empire must have subdued Egypt and subdued Syria. And then they were all ruling all those regions. So then uh, Herod made himself popular among the Romans, so he was able to secure himself as a king in that area. But the Jews didn't want him to be king over them because he was not from the line of David. And they know it has to be the line of David that has to be in Jerusalem. So, because of that controversy, they must have sent a, a message to Rome that they didn't want this man. So, in the end, what, and because Herod was politically acceptable to the Romans, they trying to divide the place into us. We have Galilee, Herod can be ruling in Galilee. The Judea, where they are Jews, we, they want to put a governor, a Roman governor, to be over that place. So they have their religious laws, but the Roman governor says, well, we have to superimpose our own law. One of their laws is that you can't kill anybody, stone him to death that they have in the law, that if this man is an adulterer, you stone him, or blasphemy, you stone them. That, so the, Rom the Romans are, were trying to introduce what they call civilization. That's what the Europeans try to do up to now. Civilization, where they say, no, those are jungle type of justice. If you just catch a thief and everybody stone the thief to death, you say that's jungle type of justice. We want you to bring the thief to court, prove it, and then the judge will decide whether this man should just be in prison or should be stoned to death or should be crucified. That's where they started the crucifixion. When the government government arrest somebody and say he was criminal and this and that, you need and the sentence is for either to be in prison. If they are to be in prison, they imprison them. Sometimes they send them to Rome to be prisoners in Rome. Sometimes, if they are to be condemned to death, after the governor is, was the chief justice in every part of their world, but they can appeal from the governor to the Caesar, which is the head of Rome. That was what happened in the Acts of Apostles. We get to that when we get to the Acts of Apostles. Those who know the law of the Romans, they could appeal, just like us. They can appeal the, the sentence that the governor of that sec section decided and say they appear, if they are Romans, and that's what Apostle Paul used in the, uh, in the end of this act of Apostles, when the governor wanted to send him back to Jerusalem, he said, I appeal to Caesar. Because he was a Roman, they have to let him go to Caesar to go and plead his case. And then Caesar is like the Supreme Court, because he was the king of the, of the world then. So that was really the way things were happening in that time. So what we are saying then is, the Lord Jesus Christ was telling their disciples to quit in Jerusalem, and then they were asking him, are you going to restore? Because they thought the Messiah was to restore Israel back to, to become a king in Israel and try to send the Romans away. 
so that the Romans will not be ruling Israel anymore, they will be having their own king. That was their mindset of a messiah. That is, they were thinking of a political messiah to come and rescue Israel from under these foreign governments that are ruling over them. So they still have that in their mind even after Christ, because that was what they were thinking was coming to start. When Christ was going toward Jerusalem, they well, the kingdom is about to start. And you can remember in the stories, in the Gospel of John, or Gospel of uh, all the Gospel, where they said James and John brought their mom and said, we want to ask you to let my sons be one on your right hand, one on your They thought the kingdom of the physical kingdom going to start when Jesus Christ get to Jerusalem. But see, they were, that was not the plan. The plan of God was crucifixion, or the kingdom of God to start within us when the church is started. The kingdom of God is within us. Spiritual kingdom is what is starting first. And then when Christ comes the second time, not as a baby now, from the sky, with the saints, that is when the physical kingdom will be reigning upon the earth. And that was where they got their theology mixed up in the, in the Jewish world before Christ came. They were thinking the second coming is the first coming, and so they didn't know which one is which. So now uh, these apostles were still of that same mindset. Because Christ has not explained those to them yet. He was saying the Holy Ghost will begin to reveal to them when the Holy Ghost comes. Um, but before the Holy Ghost was poured out, he was asking this question, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Well, we, we, we start this kingdom of Israel now. And this is what the Lord just told them in verse 7 of Acts of the Apostles chapter 1. And he said unto them, it is not for you, and it's not for you disciples of that generation, not for you opposed of this generation. It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power. I mean, God the Father is one that's going to decide when this world will end. That's really what you're saying. Because this kingdom they are talking about is also part of the millennial kingdom. It's what Christ is coming to set up. When he when will come back and be really, the millennial kingdom the last 1,000 years. Of, the, of this human, humanity ruling this world and in the kingdom of God started. There will be 1,000 years of rest of God and his father that has that in his hand. And that's what he was saying. It is not for you, the apostles of that generation, to know about what is the time. When is this going to start? He said, it is the father that has this in his own power. And I've explained that in some of the, my teaching in the Gospel of John, that it's, it's this. It is the Father is the Father of spirits. Our Father in heaven is the Father of spirits. And we human beings are spirits being sent into the physical body. And if the Father in heaven, our Father in heaven is the Father of spirits, one that is dispensing the spirits to the world. That's why the Lord was telling Jeremiah, I knew thee before you were born, before you were in your mother's womb. I have ordained you to be a prophet. So it is the Lord God Almighty, the Father of spirits, that is dispensing our spirits into the world. And he's one that knows how many is dispersing and how when he's going to stop it and it's going to be a new heaven and a new world where there will be no more raising of children also. Because the Bible says we shall be as angels at that time when he's harvesting the human beings to his kingdom. So Father that have that power in his hand. So for them say when will this start? When will this start? It is the Father that said that that's what the logical is saying. That is in the power in the power of our it says the Father that owns that has this in his own power. So he knows that when the when he's going to stop the dispensing of spirits into the physical world, to the human being, when he, because people come and go, some are dying, new are born upon every century, this generation have been for six thousand years. 
and it looked like the human race have come to this place have been billions. No, People right now, now, God knows how many is dispensing to the world and how many is going to have into his kingdom. As if we are angels in the end. And that is what is, is in the power of our Father God. That's what I'm looking for. Be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And that was the commission that the Lord was saying, you just be my witnesses. To witness to the world that the kingdom of God has started, started first in the kingdom of God. From the spirit world first, that was the war in the book of Revelation, and then physically, Christ will come and take over the kingdom of this world physically. And how they go to get rid of all these world governments? They will destroy themselves in a world war. And that Christ said, if the days were not shortened, no flesh would have been saved. And God will shorten the days of that nuclear radiation so that not all, all flesh will not be destroyed. And then he will come down from the sky. And only those that are alive, then we see him and the saints and the only people coming down from the sky because he will first come and, and resurrect the saints of God. And the we that are alive will go and meet him in the, in the cloud before they go into that uh, world war destruction. And we believe that. So that's what you see in all the other gospels that we have been teaching. Now let's continue in Acts of the Apostles, chapter 1, verse 9. Now, he has already commissioned that they should stay in Jerusalem, verse 8. And they shall be witnesses unto him, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea. It starting from Jerusalem, then all Judea, then to Samaria, which is the next section after he left Judea. And down to the uttermost part of the earth, he went this to the world. So the apostles will have known that it's going to be a long time. Also. If it's going to be to the world, say unto the uttermost part of the earth. Is the internet going to be 2,000 years? Because if telling them time make people to be lazy or to get to give up. So if he has told them, oh, it's going to take 2,000 years, people will just kind of give up and they are not going to be too interested, too excited. So he made it to say, I'm coming soon. That made them excited. It's coming soon. It's coming soon. It's coming soon. It's coming soon. Everybody was working. I want to, so that makes them to be excited because we only have very short time to, to work as human beings. Even when you are young, you started working from 20-something year old, look like, wow. You are, you are forever. Before you know you are 60 something. How many years did I just work for 40 years? And then you are retired. You can't even work much anymore. That is the strength, is weakness. And that's why the Lord wants them to be actively working while you are young. Serve the Lord while you are young. Because the old age will come and you will not be able to do as much as you can do when you are younger. So that was why He put the the fervency, the zeal upon them to go forth and say, I'm coming soon. That zeal is what make everybody to fast and pray and, and work for the Lord. The same thing we still use up to now when we were in the colleges. That was when the revival came up to upon us. I was, I was talking 1970. Many of us were revived saying, the Lord is coming soon. We were seeing visions of rapture. And everybody began to fast and pray. What is the purpose of that fasting and praying? To bring us from this level of faith to the next level of faith. To the next level of faith because we need faith to grow. We need to grow in grace. We need to grow in power. 
to be to come to that level that he wants us to be, to him we have to go away with him. So that is what the revival is to do, to revive this church, to revive the believer so that they go from this lukewarmness to faith, because it is faith that pleases the Father, to the level of faith that we come away with him in the rapture. So he sent that revival, or the revival of uh, the Lord is coming soon. Many people begin to see visions of rapture in this generation. You see many people in the YouTube thing, they saw the visions of rapture, and they are warning people that it's coming soon. Get ready. It is to make us work, to make us fast and pray, to make us quicken our pace in holiness and in righteousness and in doing the work of the Lord. That is the purpose of those, of those visions. And those that responded to the visions correctly, we come from this level of faith because they are praying now, they are fasting now, they are seeking God more, they are keeping themselves away from sin. And ungodliness, they will come to this level of faith that even if the rapture comes, they are ready. But if the rapture does not come in their time and they die, they go to heaven. But if they are dying at the low level, they most likely will make it to heaven. So that is why he wants us to come up higher by then send that zeal, revival. In every generation, every generation see that revival of visions of rapture. That doesn't mean it's not coming. It's simply saying, you of this generation, get ready. Because when the rapture, if rapture comes in their time, they better be ready. If rapture does not come in their time, they better still be ready so that they, if they die, they are going to be accepted by him. Very important. And even if they die, they have to be accepted by him. Even if rapture is not yet time. So that's why we must be revived. And the Lord is going to send one last revival he has promised. A mighty revival, not just for the body of Christ, to usher many more people out of darkness, out of sin, into the kingdom of God. For them to be saved, for them to be born again. And those that are in the church, to get them out of lukewarmness. Where they're just playing church, you go to church and come back, they are doing nothing. So fasting and praying and seeking up and living right and looking for his coming. Then, then we after the last one revival that has make him come and then we'll be gone out of here before the world will because you know right now they have the weapons to destroy the world. They have the world, the, the nuclear weapons that can destroy Moses. In the earlier generation where there was something like nuclear bomb, they were just being revived to get them to the level of faith they can be accepted by God if they die. But right now, if the world works us, they could destroy the world. So that's why we know that this generation, our own generation, is very likely the generation that we go away in the rapture. Because if they go into another world war now, it will turn into that nuclear war, which is the third world war also. It will turn to that nuclear war, which will almost destroy masses, which logical has prophesied. If the days were not shortened, no flesh would have been saved. But for the elect's sake, the days will be chosen. means there will still be elect people now. And God is going to protect some people. But he wants to get as many ready to go away in the rapture. As the Bible says in the first Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 to 17 and 18, he said, Then the Christ shall rise first. When Christ shall come, he said that the voice of the archangel and the throne of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. The will that are alive and remain, Remain alive or remain in Christ, they will be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the clouds. So, caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So that is also going to happen before there is world war. So, but to get to that level of faith with our life, you need to get out from lukewarmness to height of faith. That is what the revival is to do. It's coming soon. But to make many more people to cry out to the Lord more, ask more, the Lord more, and live holy. Now, that was Acts of the Apostles, chapter 1, is where we are still talking. Now, in verse 9, 
And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Now look at verse 9 again. Say, when he had spoken these things, what did he spoke to them? He said, You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. While, after he had spoken that, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And the Lord purposely made them be there to witness him going away physically rising out of the ground into the sky. A body they can touch, physical body they can touch. It's not a, it didn't just vanish. Because was a witness. Elisha was there to see the chariot of fire that took him up and he witnessed that he did not die, that he went up. There are people that just thought he decided, they just thought maybe the wire went drop somewhere. No, so the wife didn't up anyway. He went up. Elisha was there to see, to witness it. So when the Lord Jesus Christ, after he resurrected and he had been with them for 40 days, he didn't just vanish and never show them anymore, come back anymore. He actually was leading them to the Mount of Olive, according to the scriptures. And while he was talking to them and he blessed them, they gradually lifted up the ground, almost like a how a balloon will flow up, and I mean, he was, he was going up. They were seeing him go up so that they are sure that he is alive, not somebody that just disappeared. So when they have talked to him up and down very many times, then they saw him go up so they know he's alive. Somebody is, somebody is your. You wake up, you, you send you, you escort him to the airport. You escort him to the airport. You can hug one another. You enter that plane and turn, 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 taxi and you all wave to him. Now you know he's alive, also. You know he's alive. He went, wherever he went, he went he's alive. That is a witness. They witness the fellow going to the airplane. Unlike if the fellow just disappeared, don't know where he disappeared. So they'll be thinking, he, was he there? Was somebody killed him? Or somebody, somebody kidnapped him? No. The Lord Jesus Christ went up gradually to heaven and they saw him go up. That was the reason he wanted them to be a witness for it. And then, then the angels told them that they're going to come, it's going to come back the same way. Verse 10. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee. See, they were still looking up, looking up, looking up, looking at the clouds as it's going up. And then somebody caught their attention. Some two men suddenly appear and talk to them, so they looked down. Took their eyes off of this sky. Say, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Now, isn't that amazing? The angels said he will so come in like manner. Like manner does not mean he will be coming down and these 12 apostles for seeing him. We come in a glorious form. And he has said it many times in many other places where he said, All eyes shall see him. He said in many places that all eyes shall see him. In the, in the gospel of, uh, in the epistle of him. And even those that 
piercing we see him coming in the sky. Whether he will be alive does not mean that these people that piercing will be alive when he's coming back. But he's ministering. When he comes back, there will be human beings as we see him come back and prophesy in many other forms. In like manner, that is, he will, in like manner, the Bible says in another gospel that his feet will land on the Mount of Olives when he's coming to save the Israelites. You see that in the book of Revelation that his feet will, will step on it. And another prophecy said, the, the mountain will cliff into two. Those who are the Lord coming down. It was the Lord coming down, he said, on the on the olives. It's where it's going to come down. And he said, in like manner, the sun means it's going to just come as a come with glory and power. Glory and power that is different from just a, a single person going like coming down. He's going to come with the glory and power. He said, with all the angels with him or all the saints with him. So it's, it's the same, he said, in like manner, is how it's going to come down. We are not going to go into detail of that and try to point out all those Bible verses now, but that was what the Bible said that it will come in like man. Let's continue in verse 12. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem a Sabbath day's journey. What does that mean, Sabbath day journey? In, in Judea, they are only how far you can go on, on Sabbath day. If you go beyond that, they will say you are walking. Because you are not to do any work. Let's say you, you still have to walk, so you want to go from here to here, so just give a distance. If you go beyond that distance from your house, then you are you should be calling it a labor. And they are not to labor anything during the Sabbath. So that's why they call it a Sabbath day's journey. It's Olivet to Jerusalem. So once I say you can't go beyond the Mount Olivet from Jerusalem, otherwise you will be called, you are laboring and now you are breaking the Sabbath. So that was why they use the word a Sabbath day's journey from Jerusalem. Verse 13. When they were come here aboard both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon Zelotes, and Judas the brother of James. Verse 14. You see, I'm going to stop this one. Said, this all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brethren. Now, I will continue this in the next broadcast. I believe the Lord will give us more insight as we continue in this broadcast. God bless you.